of his might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Yes, so Paul says that Christians are in a struggle. This struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against these rulers, powers, forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness. He's like emphasizing like there's something else. There's something spiritual. There's something really evil. Um, There's something going on here that we are fighting against. We're in a struggle against. And when he's saying that we're not fighting flesh and blood, it's, it's not that people in, you know, people in the flesh are never evil. They don't do evil things. No, he's saying that when we do evil things, we're being empowered by these forces, these invisible forces in the spiritual realm. So there's many of these forces that are out to get us. The question is, is that true? I mean, it seems kind of superstitious. Right? I mean, it feels like this weird fantasy world. Um, I think if you talk about this, most people kind of like roll their eyes, right? It's like, yeah, Satan, kind of this cartoon character or something. But it is no doubt that, that bad things happen. I mean, I just mentioned Ukraine, but I'm sure if I asked you for suggestions, you could blurt out, Go ahead, blurt out some, some bad things in the news or some terrible things that happened to you in your life recently. What? Car accidents. You had gotten a car accident. My dad passed away. I'm very sorry. My dad passed away almost four years ago as well. It's awful. Death is Racism. terrible. Oh, one more thing, and also, worse of it is, I saw him die in front of me. Mm-hmm. That's awful. My brother's house burned down. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. The subway shooting that just happened. Rich said racism. I think we're very familiar with that in the news. Um, yeah, there's no doubt. You just, all around us, there's all these like bad things happening, um, really serious things in our own lives or in the news. But are these things really evil Are they objectively evil? Do we have invisible enemies that are going around like causing these things? Spiritual forces? It it sounds like Lord of the Rings or something like that. Like it doesn't sound real. But this is what the Bible poses. And it's something we want to examine tonight. If it's true. We certainly want to be aware. We want to have our eyes open. And in fact, for most cultures, this is something that was, it's pretty easy to accept. I mean, if you go through Asia and Africa, no one's going to bat an eye if you say that there's a spiritual realm and there's a struggle and there's evil spirits and good spirits. No one's going to have a, a problem with that. It's, it's mostly our culture, Western culture. We like to think of ourselves as like educated and logical. We look at like the facts. We look at... Um, just the natural world. We don't like the word evil, I think, because it like it's so absolute. 
we like we don't like to think of anything that we do as evil, certainly, because then we can't like minimize it and just you know kind of ignore it. We like to explain things away. You know, how did this naturally happen? Maybe this person did this thing because it was a bad upbringing, or just the circumstances were bad. If if the circumstances were different, this thing wouldn't have happened. If a person was more educated. Whatever it may be. Kind of reminds me of... Oops. The, the joke. Great movie. What do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash? You get what you effing deserve. This movie, he's like... He's the background of how Joker became who he is. But it's like the whole... It's really blaming society, too. Like, he's got a mental illness, but it's society's fault that made him this way. And there's a lot of this going on, like, in our culture today, too. Like, it's society's fault. Um, or if only it's capitalism's fault or um, whatever it is. If we had a different system, if there was a different circumstance, it wouldn't be bad. But then there's also this guy, Hitler rose to power in one of the most educated countries on earth. They had some of the most educated people. They had the most PhDs of any country. And people were able to get misled to doing what most people would admit (coughs) is evil. The Holocaust and all the stuff that they were doing. Um, Most people are willing to say that that's evil. That's one thing where people will draw the line. Although I have met some people who try to like say that now they did nothing wrong. But most people will say that's evil. But the circumstances can't, you know, you can't say, oh, well, if, if people were just more educated, if they just knew more. They knew a lot. And they got deceived into doing this. My point here is it's, it's really hard to say that we're naturally good people. I have a two-year-old and a newborn. And... Even my two-year-old throws toys at her little sister when she gets jealous. She did it like the second day, or maybe the first day, that we brought her home. I didn't teach her that. (laughs) She didn't have to learn it. She's just like trying to hurt this little baby because she wants attention or something. It's something just innate within us. And it's empowered, according to the Bible, by these spiritual forces. And so we've been going through Ephesians for a while and it kind of feels like, you know, I've read this before. Ephesians 6 is spiritual warfare. We're talking about it tonight. We'll talk about it next week. It can tend to feel like this like side note, you know, like we've gone through Ephesians and talked about like how great God is and what he's done. And then it kind of feels like, oh, before I leave, there is like this spiritual war going on. Okay, see ya. But really, it's a theme throughout, the, throughout the, the book. Like, if you go back and reread it with your eyes open to this, it's just right there from chapter one, um, just that we're in this war. We were in this kingdom of, of darkness. We were transferred over. Um, he's talking about how we've, like, um, we were separated from him in this totally other kingdom. He provided a solution. He tells us who our, what our new identity is. And like how to practice it. And then he's like wrapping up here. Like you're called to stand firm. You're in a new army now. 
And so it really does fit in with a the theme. It's like woven throughout the, the theme of what he's talking about here. Uh, and so this is the last chapter. What he wants to leave us with is be aware of what's going on because a lot of times we're not aware. And I got to admit, I'm not aware a lot of times. It's not at the forefront of my mind that I'm in some spiritual battle, you know, unless I'm teaching on it. Most of the time I'm like, you know, oh, these, these are all the things I have to do. Get really caught up in work. Get really caught up in like fixing the house, taking care of the kids. I don't think about like, oh yeah, I've got an enemy who's trying to distract me from the Lord and he's trying to like do these evil things and twist my thoughts. But really, and as Terry's going to get into, it's like his strategies are not that, um, they're hard to, or they're easy to predict rather. They're easy to predict. They're easy to recognize if we, um, if we uh, train ourselves. And so that's what we want to study tonight. But I want to start out by making the point, I've already talked a little bit about evil, but Satan is real, and I want to talk a bit about who he is, according to the Bible. Because um, if you believe that God exists, it's really not such a, a leap to believe that Satan exists. Because God is a spiritual being. You believe in a spiritual being. In fact, humans are spiritual and physical. So to believe in another spiritual being, Satan, is really not that much of a stretch. And in fact, Jesus referred to, to Satan more than anyone in the Bible. Satan is written about nearly 200 times in the Bible, um, something that's taken very seriously. It's all over the place. And really, the Bible doesn't make much sense without Satan. He's there from like practically page one all the way through, uh, affecting uh, mankind. And without Satan, the Bible really has no meaningful explanation to the problem of evil, to all the terrible things that are happening in the world. So who is he? Well, first of all, he was an angel. He's created by God. Can somebody read uh, Ezekiel 12 or Ezekiel 28, 12 through 13 there? Thus says the Lord God, you have the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were eaten the garden of God. Yeah, so he was there in Eden in the very beginning before, uh, before Adam and Eve. He was perfect, full of wisdom. Imagine God saying this about you. God saying you're perfect and full of wisdom. So he was, he was created, but he was not created to be evil. He was created as this wise, beautiful being. Can somebody get verses 14 and 15? You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the days you were created, from the day you were created, until the righteousness was until unrighteousness was found in you. Yeah. So he was the cherub, which is a type of angel. There's different types of angels, and so he's basically in God's inner circle there. He's like, you're on the holy mountain, you're in the midst of this. This fire. So you're like in God's presence. But then something happened. Unrighteousness was found in you. Can somebody get verse 17? Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. He became proud because of his beauty. So... Satan is not like this cartoon character who's like this like goofy looking red devil. 
he's like this beautiful, wise, intelligent being that if we actually saw him, we'd probably want to worship him or something. And he like was created to be like basically God's right hand man. And he became so proud of himself. And he, he wanted the credit, he wanted the authority, he wanted people to follow him. And God had to relegate him to the earth. You know, you're cast out of heaven. We see in some places he still has access to go and talk to God and get permission from God for certain things. But he's really relegated to the earth and he's very his, his future is tied to the earth. And so he's this being, he's just corrupted reality, became so consumed with himself. And we know also from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, that he deceived a third of the angels to follow him. And there's like countless angels. We don't know exactly how many in the billions probably, because they're called myriads and myriads. But he deceived a third of them. And these are angels who were with God. Like they experienced God. It's like for us to be deceived, okay, it's kind of understandable. But... He's making accusations against God, like God is out to get you. Actually, I'm the one you should follow. And these angels knew God, but they still believed Satan. He's so persuasive. Not the type of person you want to get into an argument with. These angels are way more intelligent than us, and they believed. And they also got relegated to the earth. And so this is why we're in this battle. We've got this really serious uh, enemy. He's wise, he's powerful, uh, he's crafty. This is why he says here, stand firm. He doesn't want us to be like intimidated or afraid. He wants us to stand firm. Um, and Terry's going to get into how we can do that and uh, talk about you know, what Satan is doing, what the good news is. So, Terry? What's next? We are at war, right? Um, let's check this out. It's true that we're at war. So who's going to read this uh, 2 Corinthians 11 verse for us? But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Yeah. And so the war that Craig talked about, some of them... There, there are wars for real estate. There's wars for natural resources. Um, there's wars for money and power. Um, this is a war for our hearts, for our devotion, right? And what the Bible tells us is what God is after for us. He's after uh, simplicity and purity of our devotion to Christ. God wants to have with us, um, what's the word? Unrestrained intimacy. God wants to have with us unrestrained intimacy. Our sin gets in the way, and Satan knows that, and he's going to do everything he can to keep us away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, to keep us away from unrestrained relationship with God. That's what his goal is, to keep us away from God. He is, like Craig was saying, he is full of wisdom. Can you imagine, like, I've got some wisdom, but this dude, God is saying, this guy is full of wisdom. And his wisdom has turned to crafty and deceit and wickedness. And so our, so our enemy is full of wisdom and full of wickedness and full of deceit. And that's who we're up against. And he, 
He, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, he, the accuser of the, of the peoples, the father of lies, the deceiver, the enemy. We're at war, and he's at war with us. Whether we recognize it or not, whether we fight back or not, he's at war with people. He's at war with people because he can't hurt God so he can hurt the things that God loves. That's what's going on in these spiritual realms that Paul's writing about um, here in Ephesians. He's more powerful than us. And in fact, this whole world, like Craig was talking about, is his domain. All of this world lies in his power. That's what First John tells us, right? The whole world lies in the power of this evil one, this wise evil one. Um, he is more powerful than us. He's smarter than us. I'm pretty smart. Some of you in here are pretty smart. Doctors, right? Pretty smart. Rocket scientists, right? Pretty smart people. Um, but he's smarter than us. And the thing of it is, he doesn't fight fair. He will lie, cheat, uh, steal. He, you know, when you, when you watch boxing, there's these Marcus of Queensberry rules. You got to fight fair. No hitting below the belt, right? That doesn't apply. He'll hit you below the belt. Again and again and again. There's no rules. He will um, cheat, slander, accuse, tempt, deceive. He has seen our kind before. He's seen you and me. And in fact, he's been at this my whole life. He's been at work on my heart. And for your, your lives too, your whole life, he's been at work on this. In fact, longer than that, he's been at work in our, on people's hearts since there were people. That's how practiced he is at this art of deception, this art of accusation, this art of temptation. He's been at this for a long, long time. He's seen people like you and me before. He knows what our buttons are, and he's not afraid to push them again and again and again. Hey, you want to see a neat trick? You want to see a neat trick? Yeah, I bet I can get him again. And he can get us again and again. So, so this is what we're up against. Um, he prowls around on the earth like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's how the Bible describes him. Not as some kitty cat that's in the corner, but trying to devour peoples. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he's doing here. When he, when he comes knocking on your door, that's what he wants to do. Steal and kill and destroy. He will attack you. You are not immune to this. I am not immune because I'm a friend of God. In fact, I'm more under attack because I'm a friend of God. Right? What Satan wants to do for the people that don't know God is he wants to keep us away from devotion to Christ. He wants to keep us away from relationship with God. And for those of us that do know God, that have received the forgiveness of Christ, he wants to get in the way and just damage the intimacy that we have. He wants us to make God a non-factor in our lives. He wants to destroy the relationship that we have with God. He comes to steal our joy, to steal our fellowship, to steal our love. He wants to kill the peace that we have. Right? Destroy the unity with God, with each other. Destroy our sense of security. He's a bastard. And he's wicked and he, he's relentless on us. Right? He operates in hidden secrets, hidden sins. He operates in chaos, um, in confusion, in ambiguity. That's where he likes to be. When, when hey, I'm not sure 
That's where it is. He will attack your children. He will, your precious children. He will go after them. He unrelented, he will go after your children, your parents, your brothers and sisters, your family. He's not playing. He's not fighting fair. And he will, he will do everything he can to draw them away from God. The school is not your friend when it comes to your children. He's, he's just... He will use every opportunity to divide your marriage, to divide your heart away from God. He seeks to divide churches, to turn brothers and sisters against one another. People who are united with Christ, united in Christ, to, to, to bring up doubt and accusation and hatred against each other. Christ comes so that so we can love one another. Hey, the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's what Christ says. And the Antichrist, against Christ, says, I will make you hate each other. I will make you think that each other is the enemy. I'll trick you. I'm so skilled and wise. I can make you think that I'm not the enemy but that your friend is the enemy, that your ally is your enemy. And I can make you act like that, like your ally is your enemy. He divides churches. He divides relationships. He's a divider and a destroyer. We've seen it go on here. Um, We have. He will do this, make us treat each other like we're the enemy. He is doing this. He is doing this. He is God's enemy, though. He's our common enemy, right? He will tempt us, accuse us, deceive us. He will do everything in his power to lead us astray from the simplicity and purity of relationship with God. That's what he'll do. And he's not playing. I can tell you that. So... Maybe you're here and you don't believe in God, like Craig was saying. Maybe, maybe you're not sure what to make, make of all of this. Maybe I don't even know. Maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you don't believe in Satan. Maybe you're, you're just checking this out. Maybe you're skeptical of the whole thing. I bet, though, that you have a sense of right and wrong. And I bet you're tempted to cross the line of what you think is right. And I bet when you do, you feel guilty. I bet you feel some despair, some, uh, some worthlessness, some defeat. Sometimes I bet you feel anxious or alone. Maybe there's just a weight on you that you can't, under, you can't explain, you don't understand. Despair or discouragement, where do you think that comes from? That comes from the enemy of God who is set on leading you astray from the simplicity of a loving relationship with a loving God. And if he can put you down and keep you down, keep you away from that, he will do it. He is doing it. That's why we're here in this world. To be Christ's ambassadors to people who don't know that there's a Savior to bring us out of this pit. And so, this is quite an enemy, right? Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? And I think the Bible's got a couple things for us. If we look at this, can you see that? Is that is that like highlighted? 
I can see some boldness in there. Okay, what, what's the boldness there, Rich? Can you check out the boldness? Uh, be strong. Yeah. Stand firm. Yep. I see stand firm again. Again, yep. And then I see stand firm again. Again, stand <laughs> firm. So I wonder what the point might be. Be strong and stand firm. Keep. Be strong and stand firm. So, and that's good. And there, there are aspects of standing firm. Man, I want to... I'm going to have some determination, and I'm going to have some fight, and I'm going to have some. Uh, I'm going to have some interest in 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 defeating this enemy, right? But I think um, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just resisting temptation. Anybody here that has tried to resist temptation? Whoa. Has anybody tried to resist temptation? Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Done that. How's it go? Sucks. There's more to it than standing firm and resisting. Because our, our enemy, we have a spiritual enemy. And what we've got to do with our spiritual enemy is we've got to bring some spiritual power. And this is what Craig was alluding to earlier. Like there is an aspect of standing firm, but there's also that God's calling us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And so this isn't strength that we're going to muster up against this uh, being that's full of wisdom and who is God's anointed cherub. That, our strength is not going to do the job there. Our strength fails and fails. And when we think our strength can do it, our strength will fail. And it will fail. And so what the Bible tells us is to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And I don't know if any of you guys have gone back and read through Ephesians this last week to see, hey, uh, is there any truth to this, this theory that Craig and I are laying out that Paul's been talking about this all along? But if you haven't, I'll just, we'll just go to chapter 1 for a minute. Please someone read this. This is uh, 18 to 21 in chapter 1. Um, and I'll just see, watch out when we get to strength of his might. That's the same phrase in chapter 1. That came up, that happens in chapter six. So someone go ahead and do this. What's up, dog? I pray. Oh, go ahead. I pray. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This is talking about the spiritual battle. Pay attention to this. Don't miss this. These, these things are in accordance with the strength of his might. This is exactly the same phrase that we saw in chapter 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Right? And so here's Paul, after in, in Ephesians chapter 1, he had got to laying out all these amazing things that God had done for us, right? He's uh, redeemed us. Um, he's adopted us as sons. He's given us an inheritance. Um, given us His Holy Spirit. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's done all these things. And at the end of that, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. You will know what are the riches of His glory and the inherit of His inheritance in the saints. You will know what is the surpassing greatness 
What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the strength of his might, with the working of the strength of his might. This strength that he brought about when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him uh, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all the rule and authority and power and dominion that we're talking about in chapter 6. This power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him above all those other powers, this is the power that's towards us who believe that Paul is saying, hey, stand firm in that power that raised Christ. That's what we need to stand firm against the devil. The resurrection power of God. That's what's going on here. Stand firm in the power of God that raised Christ from the dead. Uh, did I do the wrong thing there? Okay, so that, that's the first part. We've got to stand firm. The other thing is we've got to understand his schemes. Now, I don't think this is an exhaustive list, deception, temptation, and accusation. I don't claim that it is. But I know, I know in my life I've seen deception and temptation and accusation play around again and again and again. And like I've said, he's seen my kind before. He knows all my buttons. And he can press them whenever he wants. And here's the thing. So I heard this analogy. I don't know if it's true. But boy, it, it, it paints a picture that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So like if you have a, a piano, an upright piano, and you open up the lid... And you sing into that empty box with the box with all the strings in it. The strings that match your voice will resonate. Whatever key you sing in, however badly you sing, (laughs) that key, those keys, however bad it's going to sound, those are the ones that will resonate. And so I'm not introducing anything new into the piano, but what I'm doing is I'm activating something that's already there. And that's what Satan does to us. He knows our buttons. And he just sings into us and watches what happens. He laughs. Hey, watch. This is how he works. And so, the first one I want to talk about, I think, um, is deception. So deception is things... Who's got an idea? Well, I guess we can read it, right? (laughs) Deception is stuff that's partially true. Right? It's a, a slanderous falsehood, maybe. A misleading statement or an inference. And he, he uses these things to lead us away, to lead us astray from the simplicity of relationship with God. For example, I have a co-worker. Um, his name is Dustin. And Dustin is a, a friend of mine. And this other co-worker that we have is George, who now works down the street here, actually. Um, Dustin told me something that George said about me. And this is not true. George is a good guy. But, but what if your friend told you that your other friend said something bad about you? Think about that for a minute. This is a deception. And maybe it's something that you guys had a conversation about. And he said, you know, I talked to him after you guys talked about that. And he said, you were really being a jerk or whatever. Or you're really in the wrong. Or whatever the thing is. Whatever the thing that would aggravate And so now next time I see my buddy George, knowing that information, knowing that misinformation, I'm going to look at him differently. And I might avoid him a little bit. And after a couple times of this, George is going to pick up, hey, you're treating me kind of cold. And he's going to kind of back off too. 
And the next thing you know, we've got a little bit of misinformation. And there's something between us. Where there wasn't something between us. There's a division between us. The intimacy that we had is broken. This is the tool of the devil. He will tell us things about God. God doesn't really care about you. He's not interested in 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 whether or not you've got this house or that house. He's not interested in family or children or a car or a job. He's interested in big things, not these petty things. And really, sure, God is primarily interested in eternal things. But God is also deeply and intimately interested in all the things of your life. How many hairs are on your head? God is interested in this. He loves every part of you. Every desire that you have. He loves you. And so when we start to believe these things that someone tells us about God, it, it puts it, we look at God differently. And instead of trusting Him, we mistrust Him. And instead of going to Him with a problem, we'll go somewhere else. We'll check out the Internet maybe. The Internet's got the solution to everything. Hey, Google, what's the answer to my question? Right? It doesn't seem so bad. And so this is how deception can lead us astray from God. And, and, and the, the answer to this is to not guess, to go to George, hey, George, did you say this about me? Hey, God, what do you say about this? What's the truth? Not what's the misinformation or the falsehood or the inference or the leading statement. But what's the actual truth? That's what we need to know. What is actually the character of God? What does God say about himself in his Bible? That's our, that's our answer to that. And so that's, that's deception. The next one. Uh, oh, temptation. Yeah. Um, temptation. So he's going to try to get us to willfully take a step away from intimacy with God. Let me say that again. If we have a relationship with God, or even if we don't have a relationship with God, if we think there's a God, he's going to try to get us to take a willful step away from God. And now that just sounds crazy. Like, why would I do that? Why would I ever do that in my life? Why would I ever take a will? God, I know you're over there, but I'm going to go over here instead because I think it might be better. But that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. He will, he will lure us with something that looks attractive to us. right? Whether it's um, something shiny or something new or something better or something bigger or something I don't already have. Whether it's a a new relationship or um, a new friendship or a new job, whatever it might be. He's going to lure us with something that's attractive to us. And like I said before, he's been watching me my whole life. He can tell what's attractive to me. He can. He can tell what's attractive to you. And he will use what's already attractive to you to lure you away from God. He's going to disguise the consequence that goes with Walking away from God, he's going to disguise that with this pretty shiny thing that you see on the outside. It's like there's a gold chalice that's filled with poison, and he's going to get us to drink it. That's his trick. He's going to he's going to present us the bait, and he's going to hide the hook. 
right? And so, so he gets us to focus, instead of focusing on God and our relationship with God, he gets us to focus on the shiny thing in front of us. And he'll get us, he'll get us to bite, bite down on the thing. And the next thing you know, we're hooked. We're hooked. And we can't get away. Oh, no. I've fallen into this thing again. Oh, no, I've fallen into this thing again. I can't believe I fell into this thing again. And so this is how he works. He shows us a shiny thing. Hey, it's not that bad. Hey, it looks really good. But there's a hook. And the hook drags us away from God. It destroys our intimacy with God. It destroys our relationships as we do things. And so... Uh, whoop, 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 let's go back up there. And so what's, what's happening here, um, where do we go? What's happening here is, uh, we want, we're trying to, we're, we're minimizing the, the effect of the sin, right? We're focused on the, the thing that's shiny and we're forgetting about God. We're forgetting about, Hey, this really actually is destructive to me. And we're going ahead and taking on the thing that's shiny. Um, we forget how wicked the sin is to God. We've taken a willful step away. Thinking that we're going to get some fleeting, some pleasure, but instead we've traded a fleeting pleasure, a vanishing pleasure. And, and we've, we've given away intimacy with God for something that's going to be over in a minute and is going to hurt us in the end. In the end. That's what we do. That's what Satan tricks us into doing. And so I'll say this. I'll say, um, he knows. Oh, he knows all these things. And so does God. And God says to us in James chapter, I think chapter 1. Um, I'll listen to a good, a good teaching by Ben Stewart in James chapter 1 if you're interested in that. Um, confess your sins. Don't harbor a secret sin. Don't, don't, don't skulk around in the darkness. But confess your sin. Bring your sin into the light so that you can be healed. Because the truth is, God already knows. He's already forgiven you. Bring it into the light. Don't keep the secret sin. Be healed. And so here's the thing. So I think I know some of the ways I'm tempted. And I bet you guys know some of the ways that you get tempted too. Here's a couple of examples. Maybe, um, maybe it's late at night. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I've had a couple of beers. Maybe nobody's home. Or maybe I go out for a couple of beers. I get a couple of beers, and, and I get a couple of beers in me, and all of a sudden I get all nasty and mean. Or maybe all of a sudden I get all flirty. Or maybe I get home and I just jump into some porn because nobody's home. And doggone, you know, every time I go out, I, I fall into that. And so I know this about me. Maybe you know this about you. Don't go out for a couple drinks. Don't drink home alone. So instead of saying, instead of waiting until I'm hooked and say, I'm not going to get hooked, stay away from the bait. That's where we get, that's where we get hooked. Is we, we think this bait all of a sudden looks good to us. But remember, there's a hook in there. The hook is our destruction. 
Remember the hook. Remember that, that this sin that we're talking about caused Christ to go to the cross for you. That's how bad it is. If that was the only sin, that would have caused Jesus Christ to go to the cross to pay for that sin for you. That's how wicked sin is. That's God's view of sin. It's utterly sinful. And so, so stay away from them te- the temptation. Christ endured the wrath of God for us to forgive us of this sin. And so he knows about it. He went to the cross for it. I know about it. Let's bring it to the light and say, you know what? I did this. Let's just agree with God. Hey, I did this thing. Let's enter. Let's restore our relationship with God instead of trying to hide from God. Let's go back to God for the loving Father that He is, knowing that He's full of mercy and ready to forgive. Let's go back to Him and and continue on in this in this uh, intimacy with Him, the simplicity of relationship with God. Let's go back to that instead of wallowing in temptation. And the third thing is like it. The accusation part, um, I fall into this, um, I, I enjoy this, I think, sometimes. Um, it's crazy. But so here, here's how this works. Um, I, I think I'm a failure. Like I, I get passed over um, again at work for this promotion by another guy that's 20 years younger than me. I suck. Right? And that's hard. But you know what? It's not the end of the world. Or... or or, in fact, I fell into this sin again. Or, in fact, I've had a pattern of sin in my life. And it's had a terrible effect on my wife and my kids. It's impacted them in a terribly negative way. And I can beat on myself and beat on myself and beat on myself and beat on myself. Because my sin somehow is unforgivable. My sin somehow is, is bigger than, than God can forgive. My sin somehow is worse than everybody else's sin who's ever lived. My sin somehow I can't share with people because I'm ashamed of it. And it's heavy and it's weighty. And what I'm doing now is I'm focusing on my sin instead of on God. And I get into this thing. I call this the, the, the vortex of I suck. Right? Have you, has anybody ever else gone there? Like just get in this, this whole I suck. Thing and I can do nothing right in the world. I've been there more often these past few years than I care to admit. Because of my failures, because of my sin. And, and like, not made up failures, like actual failures, actual sin. Um, and I get down on myself, and I get down on myself, and I beat myself up. And what I forget is the overwhelming mercy of God that is for me. I forget, I forget this all everything we saw in Ephesians chapter 1 about how um, I am a child of His, adopted into His family. I'm sealed by His Spirit. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Right? I forget these things. I'm, focused, I'm so focused on my own sin that I forget about God. Right? Um, Remember this, God is not caught off, caught off guard by my sin. He's not surprised. Oh, now what do I do? I've got to make a whole new plan. This is not God's response to my sin. He's sovereign, and He knew about my sin today 
before the foundation of the world. He knew that I would be in, um, united with him in Christ before the foundation of the world, and he knew my sin before the foundation of the world. He's sovereign. And in fact, not only does he know about it, but Jesus endured it, took it to the cross, and he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him to have a relationship with me. He took my sin with him to the cross so that I could be forgiven and have a relationship with him. And that brought him joy. That brings him joy to this day. That's what's going on with this. Um, God is not caught off guard by my sin. It is awful. But on the cross, God's wrath rained down on Christ in my place. And after the cross, God's righteousness is poured out on me through Christ because of his finished work on the cross. Because he died for me. He took on my sin and died for me, enduring the wrath of God for me. And in in exchange for that, he took my wrath and he gave me his righteousness. That's the unfairest exchange in the history of the universe. But that's what God is offering us. He's offering to take the wrath that we deserve on himself and give us in exchange his righteousness for all time. So that we might, like it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, um, that we might be found holy and blameless before him. This is the thing about the cross is that, is that God is not, God is both. He is, he is so offended and so um, bothered by sin. Every sin is wicked in his eyes and it must be judged. But God is so loving and merciful that he determined that he would take the, the penalty of sin on himself so that he could offer me life instead. It's like righteousness and peace kiss at the cross. The righteousness of God, the, the, the judgment on sin of God, and the peace and love and mercy of God to forgive met each other at the cross for you and for me so that we could be alive with God forever. So that we could have an inheritance. This, this power of God that raised Christ from the dead and seated him above these authorities, that's the power that's available toward us who believe as we fight against this enemy, as we stand against these accusations and temptations and slanders that he raises against us and against the truth of God. This is what's going on in the spiritual realm. This is where we're at today. Um, I think that might be all I have. Oh, I, oh, see, I missed all this stuff. There's our verse. I got all, I got all wrapped up. Just go ahead and someone read that verse, Ephesians 1, verse 4 at the end. He shows us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. Yeah. Knowing our sin. Knowing that we, knowing that we would fall into temptation. Knowing that we would fall into accusation. Knowing that we would be deceived. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. To make us holy and blameless. That's how he sees us. He doesn't see us as the one who falls into temptation. He doesn't see us as the, the, the I suck person. The accused or the tempted or the deceived. He sees us holy and blameless before him. Because of the work of Christ on the cross. If you are new. And, and, and this, you're not sure about this whole God thing. I, my prayer is that you will check this out. That you will think about these things. I think that's all now. Yeah. Um, I, my prayer is that you will think about these things. About in your own life how you've been tempted and uh, you've fallen into accusation and temptation. You've been deceived. 
And I pray you would contemplate how Jesus wants to give you um, intimacy, unrestrained intimacy with God through his work on the cross. That's what we celebrate this Easter. That's what Easter's all about. That on Good Friday, Jesus died for our sins. And on Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave. His death paid the penalty for our sin. The eternal consequence before God, he paid that on, on, on the cross. That's what we celebrate tomorrow. And on Easter Sunday, he rose again so that he could offer us new life with him. He could offer us to be holy and blameless with him forever. I think that's all I want to say. Uh, there you go. I, don't know. I don't know if you raised any questions or uh, accusations. Or, uh, yeah, go ahead. Terry, your word of advice on last Saturday night was helpful. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it was. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Praise God. Praise God for that. That's where the truth is. And that's where you're going to be able to stand firm is on the power of God that's in the Word of God. Yeah. I don't remember your name. Jonathan. Jonathan. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. I just want to say thank you for this lesson tonight. Uh, All this, like, really, like, uh, that describes me. Huh? Yeah. In a lot of ways. Huh? Like, uh, one of them is, you know, lost my father, and it's, I've been coping with that a lot lately. It's not easy to handle. Well, that's hard, man. Yeah, it is. Even the worst of it is, so I'm dying in front of me. That's wow. like, uh, like having PTSD from that. Yeah. And, uh, also, seeing that uh, some failure in me and. Uh, Always, sometimes I'm afraid that things aren't going to work out for me. Um, and also dealing with my mother, you know, I mean she's fine, but I help her with the uh, with the chore here and there. But uh, be nice if I had like uh, my own space and yeah, and move on. But I'm not. I don't live with her. I live in an apartment that's like down the street from her. Well, thank thank you for sharing all that, Jonathan. Um, I'm sorry for your losses. That's terrible and awful, and it is difficult. Um, in all of that, I, I would say this, that, um, that God is trying to get your attention um, because we are, you know, um, one thing I know about me is that when I uh, talk to someone that, who knows someone who has died or I go to someone's funeral who's died, that causes me right away to think about my own death. Right, hey, this person's dead and someday I'm going to die too. And, and it, it makes me reflect on, gosh, I'm really glad that I have a, a saving relationship with Jesus. Um, and so I, I, I don't know if you're thinking about that. If you have that, I don't know. But um, well, I'd love to talk to you about that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I just wanted to share this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis that's actually even popped up a couple times in the last couple weeks for me. Please, please do. Um, He's a good dude. He's awesome. But if, yeah, you've never read Screw Tape Letters. This is uh, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our ways can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. Hmm. Um, so a lot of what you're talking about at first about just 
I mean, this is real. Like, it's, it's a real battlefield. It's a real thing that's happening. But to focus solely on that, you know, uh, to put that front and center is to forget what God has done. Right. What your state actually is. And what Christ has done. And so he's equally pleased with both of those yeah. because both of those distract us from the intimacy with God. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> what? This is the loudest. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear my voice. Go ahead. Can we go back a slide? Maybe. I think I have that. To temptation? Yeah. That one? That's um, deceptively simple, and yet it, it robs us of our dependency on God. Yeah. And so here I'll tell you this thing, um, or I'll say it now, I guess. I, f- I forgot to, to do this because I was talking so fast. Um, so God will use our failures, right? We, our, our temptations, our sins, when we fall into temptation or accusation or deception, it doesn't surprise God. And in fact, it's part of His plan for our sanctification, for our, for our transformation into the image of His Son. He will use our failures to reveal Himself to us in bigger and bigger ways. Hey, uh, you fail really bad here, but I want to show you how I'm gooder than that. God is gooder than our brokenness. You guys can quote that. Um, you can tweet it too, I guess. But... But that's the thing, is that he will use our failures. Like, he used David's failure to bring David to his knees and call out to God and have deeper intimacy with God. It's not only, it's not, only a, a, not a surprise to God, but, but our failures are part of his plan for our redemption. Well, a lot of times it's necessary. It's necessary because our hearts are hard. Yeah. Satan isn't, isn't calling those things into us. He's agitating things that are already in us. Yeah, go ahead. And I just think it's so grateful that, like, I'm just so grateful that even if we do fail, and even if when we, when we fail, you know, when we fail. when we fail, when we screw up, when, you know, all of those things happen, that God is, loves us so much that he chose to die yeah. so that we can have a relationship yeah. with him. He chose to, he, knowing all the things that we were going to do or say or think, he chose and said that he loved us enough that we're, he wants us to be his children. So he sent his son to die on the cross for us. Yeah. And then he said, okay, but you can overcome that. Yeah. And, you know, we're told that, yes, he can be tempted. And yes, he can, like, you know, obviously there's temptation in the world. <clears throat> but we have the ability 
to rely on him and to turn away from that, mm -hmm. or even when we fail to turn back to him. Yeah. It's not like we're completely written off, you know, and tossed away, tossed aside. Instead, he's like, no, come back. <laughs> Just it, turn back to me. That's all it takes. It's the kindness of God that causes us to turn back to him. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is. His mercy and love. Yeah. It's just, it's as easy as that. It's, it's not some like common. It's the simplicity yeah. of the devotion to Christ. Yeah. yeah. And it's, some, it's so simple. It's so simple. There's not some like, I don't know, I come from a Greek Orthodox background where you have to do lots of, like, jump through lots of hoops and, like, do all these special things. But he's like, no, literally just turn back to me. Acknowledge yeah. that, that, that my path is right. That's it, all you have to do. It's so simple. And yet, um, yet we have this amazing ability to overcomplicate it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to put. My strength in there. Yeah. Or my, my righteousness or my good works or yeah. my ability to overcome whatever into there where, where the power of God and the strength of His might rightly belongs. Yeah. yeah. We want to try to earn it. Yeah. The reality is we, we don't deserve it. Yeah. We can't earn it. Yeah. <laughs> it was given to us. The reality is that we were dead. Yeah. And He made us alive. Yeah. That's the reality. That we were, this is a spiritual battle we're talking about. We were spiritually dead, and he made us spiritually alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terry, let's talk about David's failure for a little bit. Let's just talk about the biggest one. He killed somebody. Okay. God forgave him for that. Mm -hmm. It's not what we do wrong. It's what we do right that God sees. Mm -hmm. Meaning we're already forgiven for our failures. We're already forgiven for our sins. Right. So, if we continue to focus on what we're doing wrong, we're just going to dig a hole bigger and bigger and bigger. And God's already forgiven us for it. If we continue to focus on what we're doing, yes. we'll end up digging a bigger hole. Whether we do good or we do bad, if that's our focus, we're going to end up digging a hole. Correct. He's not keeping track of right and wrong. Focus on Him. But right. He wants to see us do good. Yes. He wants to do good in us. Yeah. Okay. So, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is, um, Craig, I think you brought this up, was... Um, Smart people. Yeah. Nuclear bomb. Atom bomb. Great start. The other thing was, is um, there's a couple, several people that I've had conversations with about, there's a lot of times in the Bible it talks about being holy. Holy is just another word for being different. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of times when I tell people this, or I have a conversation with them about it, it really shocks them because it's like, I had a really good friend of mine that we were talking about before and we were on a job site and he's talking about us being holy. And I'm like, yeah, we're being different so that we can actually show people that we love Christ and that we are Christians. It doesn't mean that we have to do everything right and not fail or not make mistakes. It just means we're different, we're set apart. Right. Yeah. So when you look at it like that, it's not this <clears throat> churchy, it's not going to be better than Different else. doesn't have to be weird and creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the stuff that you guys are sharing, um, it made me really think of, a lot with the, the temptation stuff, it reminded me of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Oh, and what a says, sweet verse. I love it. What does it say? No temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind. And God is faithful. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, 
so that you will be able to endure it. Um, and I just, I think that, like, as we're talking about that, like, yes, God, God is there with us in our temptation, and he wants to give us a way of escape. And, like, sometimes that's just, like, reaching out to somebody, like, hey, I'm, this is overwhelming me. And, and also, like, even before that, it's, I think the, the, you can, the temptation and accusation, I feel like, go just so hand in hand, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no one's ever been tempted like this before, but it's Somehow says, we convince ourselves. Right, but it says right there, no temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind. So, like, people deal with this all the time, mm-hmm. and so... Um, I just, I thought that was really beautiful tying through that, that like, it's, we're not just called to stand firm and be strong and like, we have to do this on our own, but, and like, even focus on God on our own, but God is there with us and is faithful to us and wants to like, Hmm. like we're a team with him and he he cares for us. So I just thought that was a really cool thought. It's really sweet. And we, we have an opportunity to, um. You know, Satan gets us to focus on the bait. Um, and, and he does that. He presents something that's, that he thinks is going to look, look really attractive to us. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we have an opportunity to do is replace this thing that tempts me with something that's more attractive than that thing. Um, focus on God instead in my relationship with God and all that he's done for me. Through the years, you know, the truth's in his Bible... Um, focus on something that's more attractive than the thing in front of me. And remember that there's a hook in there. (laughs) Doggone it, there's a hook in there. And it will get me. Um, And we'll get even more practical stuff from Kevin next week. We're going to continue. Uh, Hopefully. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Anybody else? Something you were saying oh. all the time, along the lines of oh. the deception, uh, something I've been chewing on recently, just that, uh, oh, with, uh, yeah, just the, I guess the partially true aspect of it, where, I mean, maybe it's because I've been around the block a few times now, so to speak, in terms of just literal age, and then also, you know, my walk as a Christian, um, that, a lot of time I can identify, um, you know, from the word and things like that, you know, what these things are when I'm thinking of them. But that, uh, yeah, the, the partially true aspect of it can be so tricky still, where, you know, you find yourself suddenly a year later, like, totally uh, taken out of the fight, so to speak, because uh, some small uh, lie was inserted into truth. And, Suddenly, you're just leaving literal insanity. Uh, yeah. Because you're not talking to people typically. Right. Uh, because you bring it up with someone, you know, they can, they can point that out to you, you know, a fellow believer. Uh, so that's kind of a recent uh, realization I had is that, you know, with a lot of these uh, <clears throat> tactics Satan uses, you know, we, I think, at least myself, I think in such a short you know, time period, it's like these, like, Oh yeah, like I've identified this thing. I've like beat Satan. Hmm. You know, <laughs> thank goodness I never have to deal with that again. Uh, and the reality is just that, like, man, like he's got my whole life to try and take me out of the fight. 
Mm-hmm. So that's why when you know scripture talks so much about you know being alert, you know, and standing firm, and uh, you know praying without ceasing, and things like this. It's it's this constant need for God. Yeah. This constant need for uh, a consistent relationship that keeps us uh, sane, right, uh, and keeps us you know loving and relational and things like that. It's just something I was kind of like. Uh, like a recent experience, I was kind of thinking about and laughing about myself for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, like oh, I have such like a, I have like a, such a short, uh, narrow view of this sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh, it's been around. Like, I was like, okay, cool. And like, my actual plan's working. You know. Yeah. Ten years is gonna be lunatic, like a lunatic, and <laughs> he is he is and, full and of wisdom. Actual, yeah. And, and when he sees that you you've seen through this one, he's got like nine more. Mm-hmm. And then when, by the time you get through those nine, you'll have like 19 more. And so uh, we need to continue to have our focus on God, to, to continue to um, build the intimacy with God that he wants us to have. And as we do that, we'll be able to see those uh, quicker, maybe. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. I just want to pick back off of that. Like, it's like so... Like constant. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not enemies here. <laughs> well, oh, but, oh, yeah, you know, like you know, like Christ like said, like bring all our thoughts captive be in Christ. Mm. Constant battle we're in, you know. The devil is so crafty, so serious that you know, it's so tricky and um, you know, it's quite a spirit, you know, that we're gonna death and all this stuff and by the constant focus on Christ and so it's just like as we study you know the truth you know just bringing mm-hmm. these things right to, like right away it's like oh, I'm struggling with this or to whoever whatever we're going to get that support you know but it's just a constant battle it's like man it's just it's really a struggle you know it's really yeah. a, a deep it is and it, it's slow it's like, slow it's little little light thought you know mm-hmm. think, oh, that's no big deal but then it, it grows and it's bigger and bigger so it, he does it very, he did it very slowly. We don't even see it happening. So it's this big, it's really this serious battle. The yeah. Who, who's got that verse? Somebody got that verse? Um, well, one. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Oh, second court, 10, 3 through 5. Mm-hmm. 3 through 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. It's God's power. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. Yeah. That's, that's are, all I need. That's oh, right there. Okay. So what, what is at stake is the knowledge of God. Right. right, Jeff, that you're talking about. And these deceptions, as we believe these deceptions, our knowledge of God is like is skewed. And we trust Him less. And so there begins to be a wedge there. And then the next time something happens, it goes a little deeper. And pretty soon we're going somewhere else for solutions because we don't trust God anymore. Like you're saying, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing, um, slow burn thing that if we don't raise up um, every lofty thought against the knowledge of God and take it obedient to Christ, we're going to be susceptible to a long-term divide from God. Thanks. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Good evening. I think I, it's probably tied on with what Evan and Jeff were saying, but um, 
I think I've been going to church for about half my life, almost. Probably so. I think one of the ways Satan really attacks our church is through deception. Yeah. Through deceiving people uh, to believe things that aren't true or... Like I was saying, something happened 10 years ago, and now I'm, you know, pretty upset about this, and this is, this is causing my friends who love me to become enemies. And I can say out of confidence, because I was one of those people, hmm. you know, Rich, who uh, pretty much sacrificed uh, a lot to uh, be my friend, and to, uh, hey, make sure you're okay, bro, I love you. Uh, view them as an enemy, uh, even though you've done so much for uh, it's so powerful and crazy how Satan can throw so many uh, deceiving thoughts. And even in my walk, too, where I was like, yep, yeah, I think I'm done walking with the Lord because, man, there's just so many things wrong with following God, which is such a total um, deception from Satan. Um, and I think that's how it gets us, you know, especially in our churches. Like, man, what, what lie can I plant in their head that they'll hold on to for, for five, ten years? Yeah. Maybe I'll bring it back up 10 years later. Just a little kernel. And uh, I've been going through um, uh, Proverbs, and um, a teacher I just listened to was about wise words and how there's power in the tongue. Yeah. And uh, I thought your verse very was very applicable of uh, confessing your sins so that you will be healed. And um, I always saw that verse like, you know, coming to someone and sobbing like, I've done so many bad things. But it's like simply bringing it to the light. Like, look, yeah. Satan can no longer deceive me on this. Right. This is how I feel about the situation. I want to tell you. Let's talk this through. Let's let's get the truth on the table. And uh, another uh, verse to go along with that was in Proverbs uh, fifteen twenty one, uh, or is this eighteen twenty one? Eighteen twenty one. Mm. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So he's talking about how, you know, we see our friends struggling. This particular teaching is like, you know, our, our tongue, what we can do is encourage and, and bring out the truth. Or we can even add to the deception. You know, say something that uh, is, is false or slanderous and, or gossip and, and throw them more into the deceiving end. Um, so I think it's very important to understand these satanic attacks like you guys brought up tonight and I'm sure next week too. But it's like... You know, as we go through these deceptions, the one thing to remember is like that's how Satan attacks our church. Yep. Is through deception. Why not get a clear, true answer and get out of the deception? Amen. So I thought that was very important. Yeah. I'm glad you shared. I was kind of hoping you would, because I know you went through it for a while. Where you were like going through the deception like farther and farther and farther. Yeah. And um, it seemed like, yeah, the truth is what rescued you, because people brought things up, but then you started getting into the Bible, and then you started reading that book about heaven, yeah. and you had, like got refocused. It was like... Yeah. It really set my mind on things above, literally. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Rich, I mean, uh, Rich and other friends, but most of Rich had the biggest impact in my life, and, uh, I mean, I know for half my life, total best friend. Sacrifice, I mean, money, everything put into a relationship and to take all that and say that that doesn't matter to me anymore you know you are my enemy is like severe deception i could not see that he's actually an ally anymore it was like nope you're against me which is so ridiculous but i believed it in the moment 
And that's how strong Satan can feel. He's attacked at you. Yeah. To where you think your, your close real. friends who care about you are your enemies. Yeah. It feels like the reasonable thing, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I'm not being deceived. Everyone else is deceived. Right. And Everyone so, else but me. Yeah. <laughs> that's And that's part of when I was reading through like Ephesians, like trying to like see how this all fits in. That is one of the things that stuck out is like speaking the truth in love and then like also focusing on gratitude. Those are things that like are like part of the like combat. Like be grateful for all of the ways that he's loved us, that he's like listening out in the air. It's like let's let's focus on what he's done and let's bring up truth with one another, which yeah. is what people were doing with you too. Sweet. Was there Alex Josh? Yeah, I just <clears throat> I wanted to add something. I think that uh Another thing, like, there's keys to be in the fellowship, you know, like you said, bring the things into your life, because I think we don't realize, we forget how crafty Satan is. I mean, he's an opportunist. I mean, he tried to tempt Jesus. So he will tempt you. He'll try to take you out every time. But uh, what's cool is in Matthew 16, 18, it says, Jesus says, and I also say to you, that you, Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. So, I think it's so cool that we have this fellowship, and we can look out for each other and help each other. And you know, it's so hard to like fight the deception on your own, but if you bring it up to light, and some brothers or sisters talk into your life, that changes the dynamic. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think you know, Kevin and Joe will talk more about like the actual warfare stuff, but it's like we are in a war. Like we don't yeah. we don't think of it like day to day probably, like like I'm just going to work, I'm just going to home church, whatever, but it's like we're in a war, we're like gotta have each other's backs. So like you see Carlella over there like hating everybody and withdrawing, like <laughs> we gotta say something, you know, like I don't know. Kevin, are you gonna show us the scene from the movie Gladiator? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's where I got it prepped. You pulled it up right now. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Last one. Who? Josh. Yeah, just a thought I've been like chewing on in my head since you mentioned earlier, like the the temptation is always there. It's like. It's just a question of what it's called, I think, because um, there's this phenomenon that like people talk about on the internet called peering into the void or the call of the void. When like you're walking across a tall bridge, I could jump off right now. No one could stop me. You're walking past and someone left their wallet on the on a table or something. It's like I can take that. No one would know. We, we do have like those moments where like whispers enter our mind that we don't know where they came from. It's not common. We know. Well, we know now. But like, like inherently, without the word, we don't. Right. No. Right. Yeah. But like, they're always there, and like people even outside. Knowing where they come from, experience this. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, 
And his desire is totally what he does. Uh, you want to pray? Or someone else should pray? Why doesn't somebody pray? <laughs> Well, the reality is, is that um, we live in a world that's just a swirling with deception and chaos and temptations. And, um, you know, I've lived a couple of years, and it just seems like it's getting worse and getting faster. And then um, it's also concerning that people are so easy to believe whatever they want to believe. Hmm. Um, you know, it's really heartbreaking when I see that word. For no basis, there's no basis for believing in what you do. It's so wild. And so I guess I just really want to take a minute and just thank you that we do have a steadfast truth yeah. that we can anchor onto. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful to you for that, Lord, because it definitely is a source of peace, it's a source of comfort, um, and it's, it's, it's those things because it is the truth. So thank you for that, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, we just thank you that you are greater than uh, Satan and that you've given us your truth here. Uh, you've revealed this to us so that we can be aware. And you've given us each other to fight. We're not in this alone. And that you just you love us. And um, even when these accusations against us are true, it's okay because hmm. you've uh, forgiven us for things that we don't even know we've done. Yeah. Um, it's cool. And. Um, I pray that we're not uh, distracted from the simplicity of just following you. Um, it is simple, and you just want it to be simple. And uh, thank you for that. Amen. 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 Amen.